Hello, this is Jensen Franklin, and thank you so much for joining us for this week's podcast. Our goal is to provide you with biblically-based teachings that will challenge, inspire, and equip you to live for Jesus. If you haven't already, I'd love for you to go ahead and subscribe today to this podcast so you can get the latest updates from us and you don't ever have to miss a new message. Let's go right into the service, recorded at Free Chapel. I believe it's gonna bless you today. If you have your Bibles, I'm gonna ask you to open with me to the book of Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. I'll speak a few minutes this morning. And uh, Genesis chapter 12 and verse 11. And I want to talk to you today about passing on a blessing that outlives you. Did you know that's possible? Did you know that it's possible to pass on a blessing that can outlive you? I'm going to start out, you're going to wonder where in the world am I going, but I know I can get there because I did it in the first service. So uh, uh, I was wondering myself, but but we got there. But I want you to look with me in Genesis chapter 12. This is God speaking to Abraham. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. Your family name will be great. And you shall be a blessing. That's that's the that's the definition of being great It's when it's not just about you. And I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. Speaking of the nation of Israel and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God blesses you to make you a blessing. Don't miss that. And now I want to go down to verse. Let's go down to verse 10. And there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell in the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass as he came close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarah, his wife, indeed, I know that you're a woman of beautiful countenance. By the way, she was 70 something years old when he said that. And she was the Bible says she was a gorgeous, beautiful woman at the age of 70, so much so. He says this in verse 12, therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say this is his wife and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Now, this is the strangest thing you've ever seen. Next. Please say that you are my sister. This is Abraham saying this to his wife. When they come to kidnap you, they're going to kill me if they know I'm your husband. So I need you to I need you to propagate a a lie here. For my sake, I want you you to see as holy and as mighty and as awesome as Abraham was. His name, his literal name means father. The book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, the hall of fame calls Abraham the father of our faith. But I want you to see the other side. The Bible is a brutally truthful book, and it doesn't just give us the successes of people. It shows us in the weakest, worst moments. He's having one. Please say that you're my sister. Listen, that it may be well with me for your sake. And that I may live because of you. 
And it was when Abram came into Egypt, the Egyptians saw the woman that she was very beautiful. And I won't take time to read. We'll stop right there and I'll sum it up in a minute. But the very thing he predicted happens. Abraham is the most, one of the most, if not the most significant men. He certainly is one of the most significant men in the history of the world. And I want you to see patterns. I want you to see cycles. I want you to see something that maybe you've never seen in this, that in our families, the old saying that came from the 1600s, like father, like son, like mother, like daughter, there are traits. And we're not here to beat up men this morning. We're here to build up men. This church is about building up men. And I want to touch some things today of what are you passing on and what will outlive you? Because God has a plan for our families in Genesis 12. The text said that there was a famine where they were and in fear, Abraham makes a decision. Every time Abraham makes a decision in faith, it's a good decision. Every time Abraham makes a decision in fear, I'm afraid and I'm panicking and I'm going to do this and I haven't prayed about it. I haven't asked God about it. I haven't, I'm just under pressure and we got to do something. The famine's hitting. Everything's drying up. We're going to go to Egypt. Did he ask God? No. Did he pray about it? No. Did he, did he seek God's counsel? No. He made major decisions in life out of fear, not out of faith. And when he did, they were disastrous. And so he he takes his wife to Egypt, and just like he predicted, the Egyptian princes saw his wife, how gorgeous she was. They went to Pharaoh, and they said, you want this woman in your harem. And when they come to take her, he says, now, honey, I've got this great idea. I know you love me, and I know you don't want to see me suffer and any harm come to me. So I want you to tell them when they come that you are my sister. And I'm going to tell them that you are my sister, that it may go well with me. And you'll become a part of an evil Pharaoh's harem. He's going to abuse you. He's going to do all kinds of things to you, but take one for the team. It's going to be fine. I'll be okay. I'm going to really miss you. How many of you know this man needs some marriage counseling right here? <laughs> that my life may be spared for your sake. Talk about selfishness. What a guy. That my life may be spared. I'm doing this for you, honey. I'm giving you to another man to be, God only knows what. And it's all because I'm so unselfish that I'm going to keep myself for you alive. And the Bible said that before he could consummate, before Pharaoh could consummate and abuse that woman that he brought into her palace named Sarah, that God sent a plague. If you read the rest of that chapter, sent a plague to Pharaoh's house and a plague came on Pharaoh and his whole house. And he says, get out of my house. I don't want you here. Something is wrong. Now, the reason this is so important is because God had made a promise to Abraham 
The promise that God had made to Abraham was that you're going to have a child and that that child is going to be called Isaac and out of Isaac will come a child named Jacob. And Jacob's name will be changed to a nation's name called Israel. That boy will have 12 sons and they'll become a mighty nation called Israel. And out of that nation will come one boy that will be born. David will be coming out of the tribe of Judah. One of the boy's names was Judah. And he'll have a descendant named Mary and Mary will have a descendant named Jesus. All of this is hanging by a thread and God is in heaven saying, Abraham, don't give your wife to another man because the seed that's coming from your family is going to bless all the families of the earth. And he almost gave that miracle of that family away. I guess what I want to say to you who are here today is please don't give your wife away. Please hold on to her. You have no idea the blessings that are connected to us standing strong in our marriages. Was it a good idea? No, it was not a good idea. God put plagues on Pharaoh's house. And God stopped it. God stopped it from taking place. The beautiful thing about God is when we make a covenant with him, and that's what Abraham did under the old covenant. He shed the blood of an animal and he said, God in heaven, I make a covenant with you. And God said, that's the blessing you, that you heard me read at the beginning of this message, that I'm going to bless you and out of you, all the blessings of families will flow. And the enemy tried his best through a stupid decision to destroy that whole purpose and plan of God for that family. And you would think that if God spared you, I, I cannot imagine when, when he released Sarah and Abraham, I wonder, I wonder if that was not a new form of birth control for about two months there. I'm just curious. I'm not sure. But, but, but I, I don't know if they made up real quick, but, but God completely stopped a disaster from taking place. And you would think Abraham would never do that again, right? How many of you men would do that again? If I offered Sharice up to somebody to make myself safe, she would stab me in the liver with a knife. She, she, would, she, would, she would say, you don't need to fear him. You need to fear me. I will, I will cut you. I will hurt you. She would, I cannot imagine this situation, but even crazier than that, I cannot imagine him doing it again, but you're not watching. I want you to see cycles now, cycles that start occurring. Once you let the enemy into the family, it's a cycle. And I'm going to give you the bad news first, and then I'm going to give you the good news. Then you go to Genesis chapter 20. It's 20 years later. This is pretty amazing, ladies. Sarah is now 90-something years old. And this is what it says, quickly. And Abraham journeyed to the south. 20 years later, he goes to a place called Gerar. And the next verse says, And Abram said of Sarah, his wife, it's the old switcheroo, I'm going to tell him you're my sister. They're going to come and they're going to say, you're beautiful. And I want you to go along with the secret little lie. 
and he does it again. You would think that they would learn, but he's a man, and that's what men do. You would think they would learn the first time. I'm just going to throw this in for free. You would think that Target would have learned from Bud Light. And you would think that, that, that the Dodgers would have learned from Target and Bud Light. And you would think the White House would have learned flying the, some other flag above the flag of the United States. But what you don't learn, sooner or later, you're going to learn that God's Word is right and everything else is wrong. And there is a difference between men and women regardless of what the university says. I know that to be a fact. And the reason he did this again is because he's a man and we just do things over and over and over and over. And there's a difference. We had four daughters, Courtney, Carissa, Caroline, Connor, and then Drake came along. And it seemed like all the time Sharice would ask me about Drake. She knew all about, she had a PhD in what girls do, but she knew nothing about what boys do. And she would say, is that normal for him to do that? Is that normal? He, <laughs> I won't say all the things. I, I, was, I would say, well, is that normal? He, he, he'd just be out in the yard. He'd just start peeing. Just, just pee. He'd be walking down the mall, peeing a plant. Just, I said, that's what boys do. That's what men would do if they wouldn't get arrested. It's just something about it that is very uh, manly or freeing. And that's how Adam did. And then when we come of age, we have to stop, but that's why we start hunting so that we can go back out in the woods and do it again. It's just what men do. Leave us alone. We don't want to be like you. And I want you to watch this though. Watch God's amazing grace. This guy does the same thing over and he's, and he's even having his wife enter into a secret lie that is a family cycle and pattern that is doing everything it can to steal, kill, and destroy the destiny and the purpose of this family. And the Bible said that Abimelech took Sarah thinking that she was Abraham's sister. And that night before he could lay his hands on her and violate her, this is what your Bible says. It said, and the Lord came to Abimelech in a dream and said to him, I love the subtlety of God. You're a dead man. <laughs> God is calling somebody right now. <laughs> to whom the, to the bell tolls. It might be heaven calling. You, that's what you ought to get for letting your phone, but no, but Lord have mercy. You are a dead man because of the woman that you've taken. And he looks out and he says, I did this out of the integrity of my heart. I didn't know. He had more integrity than Abraham had. And he looks out and he calls Sarah in and he says, now look, I didn't know that your brother or your husband or what, whatever this crazy thing y'all have got going on. I don't want to be in the middle of it. 
and he gives them silver and gold and sends them away. God intervenes again. God intervenes and breaks the pattern and the cycle. And you would think that it's over. You're not going to believe this. I'm, on, I'm almost where I want to be. I'm going somewhere and I'm going to get there quick. But go to one more verse. Genesis 26. Abraham and Sarah, just as God promised. Oh, by the way, that Abimelech said, get out of my house. And he sent her away. And then she got pregnant at 99 years old. She gets pregnant from Abraham. And the scripture said in Genesis 26, they had a son named Isaac and he married a girl named Rebecca who was extremely beautiful. And the son now begins to do question. Was Isaac born when they played those little tricks? When they lied? He wasn't even there. There was a cycle. There was a pattern. Spiritual curse that was being passed down and propagated through. And I'm going to show you that in a moment. And so Isaac gets in a strange land and he says to his wife, say that you're my sister for I, there it is. I'm afraid I'm making decisions out of fear instead of faith. It's a bad decision. God saved him too. Because God had the plan. They would have the son named Jacob that would become the nation of Israel. The point that I want to make today that there seems to be something possible about iniquity and sin that we can so establish a pattern and a cycle that it can be passed from father to son, from mother to daughter, to, from family to family, from generation to generation. And just as a generational curse can be passed under the new covenant that Jesus established on the cross of Calvary, he canceled all the curses. And he says, when you receive my blood upon your life and when you receive my blood upon your family, I break these cycles. And that and just like a generation can alcoholism, it, it can go skyrocketing from generation to generation, the percentage of a person in the next generation being bound by it and becoming an alcoholic can, can be crazy. If you look at it, even statistically, I'm not even talking about biblical thoughts. I'm talking about the same thing with, with anger, the same thing with, with uh, evil, that same thing. It just gets passed down in a cycle and what the father did, the children, the sons begin to do the, the violence, the anger, the screaming, all of it. Sin passed from one to another. There are good things about it in, inherently, genetically. If your parents are great athletes, congratulations. There's a good chance that you're going to be a great athlete. If your parents are musical, there's a good chance that they talk about neurological past and somewhere down a generation. I've not found my musician yet in my family, but I believe it's in the little grandchildren, but somewhere there's some music genes in this blessed family. Somebody's going to learn how to play. Somebody's going to learn how to sing. I'm convinced of that. They talk about neurological patterns in your brain that can go for generations. And then suddenly it wakes up in a generation. 
that was put there. They have scientific studies on this. What am I trying to say? I'm saying just as trauma can be passed, just as addiction can be passed, so can sobriety. Just as brokenness can be passed, so can wholeness. Just as trauma can be passed, so can the power and the grace of God. It can be passed. And today we need to understand that what God has provided through Jesus Christ, what he has done on the cross, if sin and iniquity can be transferred from children to grandchildren, how much more can the blessing of faith, the blessing of worship, you're not wasting your time this morning, the blessing of honoring God and bringing your family to church and opening the Bible. Every seed produces, every seed produce, every deed produces a seed. Every deed I do to draw closer to God, every deed produces a seed in the next generation. I want to, I want to conclude this and share this with you. In Jeremiah 32 and verse 18, this is the bad news, but it's about to get good now. He says, God says under the old covenant, everybody say we're under the new covenant and it's not a covenant of curses. It's a covenant of blessing. But in Jeremiah 32 and 18, God says you recompense the iniquity into the bosom of their children after them. Job 21 and 19, God lays up his iniquity for his children. He rewardeth him. He shall know it. In other words, there it's possible if the blood of Jesus Christ is not applied to you and your family to lay up curses and iniquities that overtake the next generation. No man lives unto himself, the New Testament said, and no man dies unto himself. Second Corinthians 12 says children ought not to be laying up for their parents, but the parents ought to be laying up spiritual blessings for their children. What we lay up for our children in one way or the other, right things or wrong things are going to be transferred. That's why when you see a demonic stronghold trying to develop and trying to establish a pattern in your life, it's not just a battle about you, but it's a battle about the purpose and the plan and the blessing of God that needs to be transferred for generations to come. You're fighting for your children. That's why you have to get serious about it. I want you to understand that the Bible tells us completely in Hosea 4 and verse 6, an astounding verse, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. My people, he says, they just, they just go through life and they never open up this book. They never bury the treasures and store them up for the next generation. They think that that's something only a preacher does. But I'm preaching to fathers this morning. Listen to what the word of God says. God says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge because they have rejected me and forgotten my law, my word. That's my book. That's my Bible. Because they ignore it, neglect it. I will forget your children. You better love this word because how you treat this word is how God treats your children. If you ignore it, if you don't honor it, you can set up generational blessings that can be passed down for generations. Now I want to show you the other side of it. 
What happens when you begin to say, I don't want to pass? And I, I want to say, I don't want you to be embittered against your father. If your father was an alcoholic or he was never there or this or that, today, let's just settle that there's something he did right because you're here. And so take the, my dad used to say this to me, he's in heaven now, but he said, son, learn to eat the fish and spit out the bones. And so there's some good, maybe your dad, he was a, he was a lousy father and he wasn't there for you, but he got up every day and he went to work and he provided just take, that's a good trait and that can be passed on. I mean, if you know, we need some fathers to teach children to get up and go to work and pattern that that's so take the good. We're not here to embitter and say, I didn't have this for my father. There was something you can take and it can be stored up. None of us are perfect. None of us have done it right. All of us are still every day. My prayer is God help me to be a good daddy and granddaddy. But watch this. In Psalms 103 and verse 17, it says that if the curses can be passed, if bad diseases in the genes can be passed, if bad traits and patterns and cycles of sin, if depression was back generations and it can be passed, listen to what the truth of the new covenant is. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, even unto the children's children. And then he said in Luke chapter one, verse 50, New Testament, and his mercy is on them. Listen to it. That fear him. That's what you're doing this morning, honoring and fearing the Lord and saying and revering, not like I'm afraid I'm revering, I'm worshiping, I'm honoring the Lord with my family in the house of God. His mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Watch this one. I love this verse. Second Timothy Chapter one in verse five, a single mother is raising a champion for Christ by the name of Timothy. The husband, the dad is not even in the house. And Paul sees this young boy named Timothy. And he says, when I call to remembrance, the unfeigned faith and the utter sincerity of the faith that's in you, it dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded that I see it in you. What happened? The grandmother started storing up blessings. The grandmother started a prayer life, started a devotion to God, started honoring God, and it got in the daughter, Eunice. And Eunice heard faith, 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 faith. Jesus, 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 love, 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 God, God, God. The Bible says, the Bible says, and it got in the next generation. And then there's a boy born named Timothy, and the apostle Paul says, I see I see a blessing from yesteryears. Your grandmother had it. Now your mother had it. And now you have it. It didn't start with you. And the reason you're so blessed, the reason you're the youngest apostle, the reason you will write books in the Bible that will live forever is because not just what you've done, but you've inherited massive blessings from your grandmother to your mother to you. That's a powerful thing. And I want to close with this. The Bible said that David so pleased God that in 2 Corinthians 6, 11 years after he was passed away and dead, that when Solomon dedicated the temple, he prayed a simple prayer. And this is what he said. 
Lord, remember the mercies of my father, David. And when he did, it pulled on the heartstrings of God. And suddenly the cloud of God's presence filled the temple. And the presence of God was so outstanding that the priest could not stand to minister. Eleven years after he was dead, what happened? David had stored up so many blessings that, uh, that even though he was dead in the grave, the blessings were coming on his children. And then in 2 Kings chapter 11, David's been in the grave 23 years. And Solomon, his son, marries strange women and women who are participating in the occult and Pharaoh and this in the religions of Egypt. And God says, I should take the kingdom from you. Nevertheless, I will not in the days that we are in for David, thy father's sake. 23 years after David is dead and gone, God says the son the son deserves judgment. The son has done wrong. He knows better. But you know what? I'm going to bless him anyhow because of the stored up blessings that will outlive him and go to the next generation. And then in 1 Kings chapter 15 and verse 50, in 1 Kings chapter 15, David has been dead 57 years. And Absalom, his grandson, is far from God. And the Bible says that God said, nevertheless, Jeroboam, I should let you have it. I should pull the rug out from under you. But because your great-grandfather stored up prayers, he worshipped with his little harp. He praised me. He wrote psalms and love songs to me. He wasn't some kind of weak man. He was, he was a powerful man. He was a warrior. He was, a, he was an, an elite, athletic, muscular, 300-looking man. In the movie 300, that's what David looked like. Look at the stories of him. Listen to him. He was not some weak, effeminate man. He was a powerful man, but he loved God passionately. And God said, I can't get over the blessings that have been stored up. And when the grandson's in trouble, he says, for my servant's sake, David, I'm going to take care of you, grandson. I'm going to get you out of the mess you're in. Can I give you one more? In 2 Kings, come on, guys. In 2 Kings chapter 19, in verse 32, the Bible said, that David had been dead 305 years. Don't you ever let anybody tell you that faith in Jesus Christ doesn't make any difference. And the Bible said that this guy, his great, 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 great grandson named Hezekiah was surrounded and Jerusalem was about to be wiped out. And God sent a word and he said, the letter you've received that's saying that you and all the people of God are going to die in Jerusalem. He said, I cancel that. 
And he said, it shall not come into the city. Not one arrow will be shot. And the same way this enemy came is the same way they'll leave. And that night, God released an angel and it slew 185,000 enemies of God's people. And why did you do that, God, for Hezekiah? God said, for my own sake, listen, and the man who's been dead for 305 years, he so stored up blessings for my servant David's sake. I'm going to bless the great, 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 great grandson. Bible said a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And it's not just a monetary inheritance. It's a spiritual inheritance that can outlive you. I really want to say thank you for joining us this week. If you haven't already, make sure you click on the subscription button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people when you comment, when you give us your feedback. For more messages and inspirational materials, download the Jensen Franklin app. Or you can head over to jensenfranklin.org. I want to thank all of you who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.